All right, we'll say good morning. Let us begin an incredible and beautiful daf ahead of us today. Let us begin by thanking our sponsor, Atamatora sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshos this month in memory of Yonah Tzvi, Ben Yosef Chaim Elazar HaKohen, Noam Ephron for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshos this month in celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Halevi. Our Day of Learning sponsors, Jerry and Abby Applebaum, in commemoration of the yard site of Jerry's father, Charles Applebaum, Ephraim Zalman, Ben Ari Label. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And above with that, let us begin a really beautiful daf. I had another, another beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Yud Ches. But we are actually picking up on Yud Zayin Amadeis, the first wide line. So a lot, a lot to do today, Emir Hashem. But today we will get uh, Emir Hashem caught up. So the Gemara says, "Charles, we'll say some more beautiful Gemara is about Tshuva." Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says as follows: Tshuva, Gedola Tshuva, Tshuva is great. Shemekaraas Gzardino Shel Adam, for it has the ability to tear up the negative verdict of an individual. Which I will say. So again, remember. Tshuva, the, the idea of tearing up the verdict is as follows. There are, one might have thought that the power of tshuva is limited to the protection from punishment. But when the Gemara says that tshuva has the ability to tear up the verdict, that means tshuva has the ability to literally, almost kiviyachol, erase the entirety of the negativity of the sin. We'll see many different aspects of this. Much of this is this, we saw this already in Yuma. But that's the power of tshuva. Not only does it allow me to be protected from punishment, but ultimately it tears up the very verdict itself. From Yeshaya, and Yeshaya says, really, we're focusing on that last part. Vishav, when you do tshuva, virapa lo, you will be healed. Says the Gemara, Amrali Rapapa I'm sorry, Vishav Rapa lo, Amrali Rapapa Labai, Vidilma, Lifne Gizardin. Well, maybe that's talking about before the verdict. In other words, maybe tshuva has the ability to go ahead and rip up the verdict of a person before that verdict is solidified. But once it's solidified, maybe even tshuva cannot go ahead and rip it up. The Pasik says, and he will be healed. Says the Gemara, What's an example of something? This? It's interesting, I will say, we've seen this before. Well, I'll explain in just a moment. We've seen this, well, let me say it now. We've seen this before. The Gemara Meseches Yuma says, Tshuva is great because it brings healing to the world. Brings healing to the world. So the Maral, in his in his uh, Nesiva Sol, in his in Nesiva Tshuva, discusses this idea how hate itself is like illness. And when when I sin, when I sin, what I really need is a refuah. So Gedola Tshuva Shemavia refuah the Olam. So the Gemara says over here as well that the pasuk, the pasuk in the pasuk in Yeshaya says, what's the power of Tshuva? Verapalo Tshuva heals a person. What is something that requires a refua? We'll say, you know, if a person has a negative verdict against them from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Chas V'Shalom, Ein refua Gidola Mizo. Right? There is no greater refua that a person needs in this world than to be healed from a negative verdict. So today, so we'll say, we're trying to figure out, now just so we understand, we're trying to figure out what is possible before the Gzardin and what is possible after the Gzardin, right? In other words, that is it that tshuva, tshuva and its associated processes can help overturn anything, even post Gzardin, even once the verdict has been rendered. Tshuva is so powerful that it could go ahead and overturn that, or no. In other words, before there's a verdict, you could go ahead and do a lot with tshuva. But once there is a verdict, at the end of the day, once there is a verdict, there's nothing more to do. So the Gemara clearly, well, so you, have, you have to understand, we have an agenda here, right? What's the agenda? We want Shufa to be as powerful as possible, right? So obviously, again, it's in our personal best interest if Shufa works even after the Gzardim. But the Gemara is trying to figure this out. So Mesa Gemara is the Kasha, Hashav, Bein Sayim, Mochel and Lo. It's very beautiful. If you go ahead and you do Shufa in between, 
But let's say in between what? Rashi says in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. If a person does tshuva in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, mochil and lo, he is forgiven. Lo shav ben sayim. Ultimately, again, if I don't do tshuva between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I feel heavy call alien of Sheva Olam. Even if you bring all the most beautiful karbanos in the world, in mochil and lo. Ultimately, again, he's not forgiven. Then I will say, what does this sound like? What does this sound like? What I've seen Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah, what happens? What happens? Din. Rosh Yom Kippur, what happens? Gzardin. So it sounds like over here, when is tshuva effective? Right? In, in between din and gzardin. But once the verdict has been delivered, done. Done. Tshuva doesn't work anymore. To which Nuhar says, no, no, no. Lokashya, habiyachid, habitzibor. It depends. It depends, says the Gemara. It's possible, it's possible that Allah Chalamaisa, as a yachid, as an individual, I'll, I have a window for tshuva. And my window for tshuva, or really better stated, my window to overturn the gzardin is between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's for a yachid. As you've seen already, the tzibor, right, the congregation, the collective, has a power to overturn anything at any time. All right, so you are still struggling with this. So, so I'll say, this is, this is so beautiful. This is a Pasuk about Eretz Yisrael. It's always a source to learn a Pasuk about Eretz Yisrael. So the Torah says, Eretz Yisrael is a land that God is constantly involved in. Dorish Satamid means he's always inquiring after it or involved in it. And the eyes of Hashem are on the land of Israel from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. So it says the Gemara, the eyes of Hashem are on the land. So the Gemara says, Sometimes that's a positive thing. Sometimes that's a negative thing. Now what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? So the Gemara says as follows. We will say, what it means is that sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranges this for good, and sometimes he arranges it for not so good. What's an example of this? Here we go. Kate said, this is incredible. If Klal Yisrael, unfortunately, were absolutely wicked by Rosh Hashanah, and I will say, as a result of the collective guilt of Am Yisrael, what happened? HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed that there's going to be very minimal rainfall. And then what happens? Then we did Shuvah. Then we did Shuvah. So again, at the time of Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, right? This is Din, and Klal Yisrael, and therefore minimal rain. But we do Shuvah. So listen to this. Let's read the words, then we'll, we'll strive to understand this. So the Gemara says, to add on more rain, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't, can't do. Why not? Because the Gzeira has already been sealed by Yom Kippur. So what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? HaKadosh Baruch Hu moridin bizmanon ala aretz ha-tzrich alahen ha-kolafiyah aretz. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He can't change the Gzeira. What's the Gzeira? What's the Gzeira? Minimal rain. So what does he do? He allows the minimal rain to come at times that are most impactful and in places that need it most. So he can't change the quantity, right? The quantity is the quantity, but he could change the distribution, right? The timing and the allocation slash distribution. The Gemara says, "Son of Pana, something amazing. What what a metaphor for life. Sometimes in life, you think you don't have everything you need, but even if you think you don't have everything you need, find a way to maximize what you have." Such an incredible use in life because so often when I feel I don't have what I need, we think like that's like a patur. That's a patur. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. So if I don't have what I need, I can't accomplish what I need to. So what does Chesh Baruch Hu do? Listen to <laughs> What does the Rebbe Olam do when he doesn't have what he needs, quote unquote? He maximizes what he has. Such an incredible yisod. Next, Itim Lara. Sorry, we did that. Itim Lara. Good. Um, good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Supposed to say the opposite case. Sometimes Klal Yisrael are tzadikim by Rosh Hashanah. 
And then what happens? And therefore, again, and therefore, Akhlash Baruch Hu decreed a voluminous amount of rain. And unfortunately, then Kali Yisrael ends up misbehaving. Ends up misbehaving and becomes Rishon. So once again, the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, Kali Yisrael can't diminish the volume of the rain because the Gezerah has already been decided. Ultimately, again, because why? What's the Kodesh Baruch Hu in that case? A lot of rain in the wrong places at the wrong time. Right? In other words, it's the same volume. The volume is going to come, but it's just totally unimpactful. The Yomar says, one second. So we'll say, remember again, what did we just say? We just got finished saying that even if you want to tell you that at certain points in time, the Gzardin is locked in. Who is it ever locked in for? Who is it ever locked in for? The Tzibor. So why doesn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu just tear up the din? In other words, first of all, I'll say in general, this, 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 this Bryce is obviously not to be understood literally. How do I know that? Because the Ribbono Shal Olam could do whatever he wants. In other words, even if we want to say that Gzardin is final for us, Nothing is final for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nothing, 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 nothing. You're going to see what this means in just a moment. But the point that Gemara is making over here is, you just said that the Tzibor could change the Gzardin at any time. So if we changed after the Gzardin, just tear up the Gzardin, make a new one. To which the Gemara says, you're right. But say, here's the difference. Can HaKadosh Baruch Hu tear up the Gzardin? And, and, and if the Tzibor changes, does the Gzardin change? Yes, of course. The difference is HaKadosh Baruch Hu could accomplish the same thing without changing the Gzardin. Which will say, is another way of saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses to operate within the realm of normalcy whenever possible. When it's not possible, he'll do what he has to do in order to accomplish the mission. So in this case over here, you don't have to change the volume. You don't have to change the Gzera. You just have to change what? The distribution and allocation. So because the same thing could be accomplished just by going ahead, just by going ahead and changing the timing and changing right the location, that's why Kaddish Baruch Hu chooses to do it. So the Gemara goes, I will say, but again, that you sowed, that you sowed of, of making sure to go ahead and accomplish with what you have. Such a powerful yisod. The Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Tashwa, so we'll say here, let's quote the Pasek. Mara's quoting over here the Pasek from Tehillim. So the Pasek says, Those who go into the boats with water, or those who descend into the oceans in boats. They do their work in great water. They see the great works of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The waves go back and forth like a drunk. They call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a time of need. And ultimately, again, they will thank HaShem for His kindness. Now watch this. In Sefer Tehillim, this particular capital, capital Kof Zayin, Kof Zayin has Simonios. Rashi says, has backward nuns. Backward nuns around it. Why does it have backward nuns in it? To teach us that what? When is tsaaka? when is calling out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu impactful and effective? Only if we call out before the Gzardin, before the decree. But ultimately, again, if we call out after the Gzardin, then we are not answered. We are not answered. So I'll say, so once again, this seems to point in the direction that when is, when is tefillah effective? Only before the Gzardin. But after the Gzardin, it's not effective. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. These Yarde Hayam, who, who, who David HaMalach is referring to, they are, not, they are not looked at as a Tzibor, they're looked at as a Yachid. So I'll say, we continue to, to kind of espouse this model that the Yachid may have a limited window in which he could overturn the Gzardin. And that's really during Aseris Mitshuva. After that, the Gzardin is final. But the Tzibor always has the ability to overturn the Gzardin. So the Gemara goes, Vaitra Tashma. So this is interesting. Shala, Shala, Beluria Hagiores, So this lady, Beluria, Beluria the convert, asked Rabbi Gamliel the following question. Ksiv betoraschem. It says in your Torah, Asher lo yisapanim. 
Remember, means God will not show favor. Spaz says God will not show favor. Uksiv, Yosef says, interesting by the way, that they call her Bluri Hagioras, and, and she says, Kasub Besoraschem, your Torah. So sometimes it's possible that when Gemara calls someone a Gioras, it could mean a convert, it could also mean someone in the process of conversion, or sometimes saying Torah Schem to a Torah scholar is a compliment. Your Torah. You're the Talmud Chacham, right? You're the one who has been Amel, who has been toiling in this. It's your Torah. Okay? So she says, it brings up, she's about, either way, that's a good kasha. Torah says, Asher lo yisapanim, which means God will not show favor. Uksiv, yisa Hashem panavelecha. But yet then it says Hashem will show his favor to you. Right? Literally, again, will lift up your face, show favor. So which one is it? Does God show favor? Does God not show favor? And Rabbi said, but Pashtos, the way she was understanding this, was Yisapanim means forgiveness. So God always forgives, even after the Gzardin. And then Rabbi says, God doesn't forgive. So what's going on over here? So listen to this. So the Gemara says, Nitpal la, la Rabbi Yosiakohen. Rabbi Yosiakohen was there. Rabbi Yosiakohen was there. And he decided to answer it. So what? What is? What is? It? Even, even though again she was addressing the Kasha Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yosia Cohen overheard the conversation. He decided to answer. Amrla, he said to her, "Let me give you a mashal. Give you a mashal. So we'll say, imagine Reuven lends Shimon a thousand dollars. The Kavalos man and they arrange. Right? Reuven says to Shimon, "You have to go ahead and pay me back. Pay me back." You know, in one month's time, and they make this agreement in front of the king, kind of going ahead and bringing the king into this as a party to solidify the deal. The and what happened? Now Shimon, the borrower, Shimon the borrower swears by the king's life that in one month he'll repay the thousand dollars. A month goes by and Shimon doesn't pay back. So what happens? Now Shimon, Shimon, the borrower is in default. What does he do? He runs to the king. He runs to the king. And he says to the king, I'm so sorry. You know, I swore on your life. I invoked your name. I swore on your life that I would repay the debt. I didn't repay the debt. I'm asking you for mechila. I'm asking you for mechila. So, so, the, so, so the king says, Alboni King says, I forgive you. However, Lech upayes es chavercha. But Shimon, a borrower, to be honest, it's not me you have to ask Mechila from. Remember that other guy, Ruven, the guy you borrowed $1,000 from? You're in default. It's him you have to ask Mechila from. So listen to what Rabbi Yosiah Cohen says, Hachanami, kan ba'averos sheben adam l'makum, kan ba'averos sheben adam l'chavero. Wow, wow. Rabbi Yosiah Cohen says like this, when the Pasuk says, Yisra Hashem panave lecha, Hashem will forgive you. That refers to the Averos I commit between myself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If I wrong God and I do tshuva and I, I say I'm sorry and I ask for forgiveness and I own it, right? I own it and I pledge to be better in the future. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Machalach, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. So what does it mean when it says, Asher lo yisapanim, that Hashem won't forgive? That refers to interpersonal sin. That refers to a bin Adam lechavero. Because if I go ahead and I hurt someone else, or I sin against another human being. I come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and say, I ask for forgiveness." Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "Don't ask me. Ask the person that you harmed." Now, I will say what I will point out is something very interesting. The Rambam Hilchos Tshuva points out that in every chait bin Adam lechavero, in every interpersonal sin, there is a duality to it. There is the part that there is the there is the transgression against another human being. But every chet bin Adam Lechavero is also a transgression against God. Because remember, every person is made B'Tselam Elohim in the image of God. And every person is Banim Atam Lechavero We're children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you know what happens when someone hurts your child, Chas V'Shalom? Right? A, 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 an aggression against my child is, is, a, is, is an aggression against me. Same with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So just interesting that when I, do, when I, when I commit an Avera against another Jew... There's a tshuva I have to do towards you, the aggrieved party, but there is also a tshuva I have to do by to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the Gemara is saying over here is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, don't really ask me forgiveness if you haven't yet asked your fellow human being forgiveness. If you hurt another person, the tshuva process starts there. When you square that away, then come back to me. 
Until Rabbi Akiva came along and he said, Yud Chesem Lav. So I said, we're caught up. We're caught up. Baruch Hashem. Good. Rabbi Akiva said, Rabbi Akiva said, no, here's how to reconcile the Pesukim. Kan Kodem Gizardin. Kan Laachar Gizardin. Wow, wow, wow. Rabbi Akiva says like this. When the Pasuk says, Yisa Hashem Paravelech, right Hashem will forgive us, that's before the verdict. When it says that Hashem doesn't forgive, that's after the verdict. So I will say, Hachanami Biyachit, which the Gemara says, again, you're correct, but that is only by an individual. Both say, so the individual has a window, right? Individual has a window for forgiveness between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Once the verdict is passed, the verdict is sealed. But the Tzibor, the collective, the congregation, always has the ability to overturn the verdict at any time. So the Gemara says, now, now I'll say, here we go. So we'll say, that, that, this seems to be how the Gemara settles on this. Because we do have a lot of contradictory, what would appear to be contradictory, psukim. Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu always forgive, not always forgive? There seems to be that tension to which the Gemara says it's not a tension. If you're operating as an individual, you have a window. The window is Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. That's the window. Once the Gzardin of Yom Kippur comes along, that's it. That's it. If you're a Yachid, if you're an individual. But again, if you're doing Shuvah as part of a collective, so I just want to point out, what is it, let me just explain this for just a moment, literally one moment. What does it mean to do chua as part of a collective? So that makes sense if all of us, you know, we, 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 did, a, we did an Avera field trip, right? And we all did the same Avera. It's a good bonding experience, right? Let's all do the same Avera together, right? But what happens if we didn't do the same Avera? In other words, chances are we all have our own Averos. We all have our own Averos. But Lamais, it's not the same Avera. So we'll say, the, the, the Rishonim bring down that the concept of tshuva b'tzibor doesn't have to be that we all do the same Avera. What it means is, I do my tshuva in the context of the tzibor. So when I dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu for forgiveness, I'm not davening by myself. I'm davening with dominion. I'm davening as part of the collective. That also has the name. That also has the identity of tshuva B'tzibor. So there's, so again, so there's a tshuva b'yachit, there's a tshuva of the yachit, and there's a tshuva of the tzibor. But, so the, I think the classic is the tshuva b'tzibor is when the tzibor did the avera, the tzibor is doing the tshuva. But even if the tzibor didn't do the avera, but I'm doing my tshuva in the context of a tzibor, that has the power of tshuva b'tzibor as well. To which the Gemara says, Uqzardin d'yachit t'nahi. Here we go, here we go. Because we both say, the truth is, I, I know, I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking, really? The window for the Yachid closes at Yom Kippur? That's it? Like we're ready to accept that and move on to something else? That at the end of the day, I have until Yom Kippur to get it right, to overturn my Gzardin. And if I don't do that, I'm stuck. To which the Gemara says, well, it's a machlokas. Tanoi, here we go. Here we go. This is says incredible Gemaras. This used to say, made an amazing observation. He said, you could have two people who both fall ill. Allah Lamita means they go onto the bed. They both have the same illness. So to two people come before a court with the same exact case. And you know how life works? This person is healed and this person is not healed. Same illness. Same illness. Same circumstances. This person's healed, this person's not healed. Zenitzal, Vizelonitzal. This one is saved from judgment, this one is not saved from judgment. So the Gemara says, Mazeyard Vizelo Yarad, Zenitzal, Vizelonitzal. So the Gemara says, How do you account for that? Right? How do you account for that? For two people facing the same circumstances, yet with two separate outcomes. So we'll say, This is incredible. Rabbi Meir says, Zehispalel, Velo Naane. The Gemara says, I'm sorry. Zeh. Uh, it means one of them davened and his tefillos were answered. One of them davened and his tefillos weren't answered. Okay. But but why? Right? Why is it that one person's tefillos are answered and another person's tefillos are not answered? So Rabbi Meir says, the one who davened a complete prayer is answered. The one who didn't daven a complete prayer is not answered. Also, what does complete prayer mean? Rashi says, Tfila Shlema is Niskaving. Kavana. 
Kavana. So I'll say this is a pretty wild Gemara because Rabbi Meir accounts for the difference in personalistic circumstances based on the intensity of the Kavana in Tefillah. That you could have two people facing the same exact circumstances. One has a positive outcome, one doesn't have a positive outcome. Rabbi Meir says, how do you reconcile those two things? Ultimately, again, Tefillah Shlema. One daven the complete Tefillah one didn't dive in a complete tefillah. Now, I will say, when you see a Gemara like this, it's a little bit troubling. Because whenever you see people's circumstances, like personal circumstances, reduced to a formula, it never works. Because try, try plugging this, I mean, don't try plugging this in life. But try for a moment plugging this into life. All of us know many wonderful people who suffer. Right? And we know many, many righteous people who have really difficult lives. And then we know people who, I'll use this word, are mediocre. And I'm using that, I'm really using that because we don't want, never want to call someone else, you know, a worse thing. Right? They're mediocre and they seem to have it made in the shade, right? Everything is great. So we'll say perhaps what Rabbi Meir is saying is like this. Or Rabbi Meir, I don't think Rabbi Meir means for his words to be understood literally. But what Rabbi Meir is trying to convey to us is we control our circumstances. That I have control over, over, the, over my gizardin. Now, I don't have, obviously, Hashemarach has control over it. But what it means is that my actions, what I do, could impact and influence my gizardin. Remember again, we up until Rabbi Meir, the Gemara was operating under a premise. What was the premise? What was the premise? My gizardin, my verdict is locked in when? When? Yom Kippur. Can I change it? No. Only at Seabrook could change it. Comes on Rabbi Meir and says, hold up. That's not true. That's not true. You can absolutely change your gizardin. Now, it's interesting. Correct, Rabbi Meir. How do you change your gizardin? How do you do it? How do you do it? Tefillah b'kavana. Tefillah b'kavana. Daven with kavana. Right? Daven with kavana. So I'll say something very interesting. I don't know if it's true, but it feels very true to me. Tefillah shlema could mean something else also. The word for tefillah, the verb for tefillah, is lehit palel, or lehit palel. I don't know, I want everybody to understand what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> so lehit palel. Rav Shamshin of Hirsch says that the, the root, the root of lehit palel, is lehit palel is a reflexive verb. Right? So the, the, the root of that is palel. Palel means judgment. Lehit palel means to engage in the process of self-judgment. Right? That, 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 you want to know what tefillah really is? Tefillah is not just about saying words. Tefillah, you know, people talk about, we, we, we place such a, an emphasis on kavana and tefillah. And we often think that the totality of kavana is focusing on the words and understanding the definition of the words. That's absolutely important. Do you know, I want to tell you something that probably you've never heard before. You are supposed to let your mind wander during davening. But not wander to work or not wander to other things, but to wander about your life. You know what the greatest gift of tefillah is? It's an opportunity to think about, what am I going to accomplish today? Who do I want to be when I grow up? What kind of changes do I want to make in my life? The power of tefillah is lehit palel, to engage in the process of introspective, personalistic judgment. That's what tefillah really is. It's the time I carve out during the day, whether I dive in quickly or slowly, it doesn't make a difference. But it's the time I carve out during the day to think about my life, to think about myself, to judge myself. How am I doing? How are things going? So Mary says something amazing. Do you know what the difference, do you know what makes all the difference in your personalistic circumstances? All the difference? Tefillah Shlema. So perhaps, okay, Rashi says Tefillah Shlema means Tefillah B'Kavana. Perhaps we could suggest Tefillah Shlema means something different. Tefillah Shlema means complete and total judgment. That when you take time out of your day to really introspect, to really look at yourself, to really be honest with your shortcomings, to really validate your positives, that is how you change your gizardin. Because at the end of the day, if I truly introspect and I truly engage in that process of self-judgment, I could change the trajectory of my life. And Rabbi Meir says, we have power to alter our gizardin each and every day. Incredible. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says, Kan kodim gizardin, kan gizardin. 
Rabbi Lazar discussed Rabbi Meir. He holds no. Sometimes the reason you could understand the difference in people's circumstances is because some people get to do tshuva before their gzardin. Some people only get around to doing tshuva after their gzardin where they can't change anything anyway. Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, Yafet sa'aka la'adam ben kodem gzardin ben la'achar gzardin. Rabbi Yitzchak has always been my favorite. Right? He says, right, a person, sa'aka tefillah always works, tshuva always works before gzardin, after Gzardin. And I will say, I just want to point out, that is how the Ramban Paskins, Ramban Paskins and Hilchos Tshuva, that Tshuva always works. There is no window. Now again, that being said, there is a window, right? That window of between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is a time that is auspicious for change, a time that is auspicious for Tshuva, right? As the Ramban writes, Yeshua Hashem Behimatso, the Rebosho makes himself available to us in an unprecedented way during a Sarah Simei Tshuva. But if for some reason I don't take advantage of that closest during a Sarah Simei Tshuva, Tshuva is always possible. There is no such thing as Tshuva being possible. The Rambam says even if a person is on their deathbed, until you draw your last breath, Tshuva is always possible. So I'll say the Gemara goes back. Do we really say that the Gzardin of a Tzibor is torn up? In other words, could a Tzibor really change that Gzardin? I'm sorry. Sorry. One pause it says in your Mio, literally launder the negativity from your heart. Halavai. Oksiv. Pasik says. Again, in Yermia, a couple of psukwa, a couple of prakim earlier. Kiem techab si b'neser v'tarbilach boris nichtam avonech lefanai neom Hashem. I will say, see here, the Navi says, even if you go ahead and you try to launder your sin with soap, the stain remains before Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So, which one is it? Could the stain of sin be removed, or is the stain of sin? There forever. So my love can kodim gzardin kan laachar gzardin. So okay, the simple resolution is the pasuk that says you can launder it is before gzardin. The pasuk that says you can't launder it, the stain is there forever. Is after gzardin. So the Gemara says, No, in fact, both of these statements are after the verdict. Velokasha kan begzardin shiyeshimo shvua. To which the Lord says, this is fascinating. Sometimes when HaKadosh Baruch Hu passes his verdict, he passes it along with a Shavua, with an oath. And, and apparently, again, that type of Gzardin is irrevocable. But sometimes he passes the Gzardin without a Shavua, that's revocable. How do we know that when the Gzardin is accompanied by a Shavua, that it never, it can't be changed, it can't be changed. This is a tragic, tragic story. Eli was the Kohen Gadol, right? The Kohen Gadol, remember again, at the beginning of Shmuel Aleph. Right? He's the Navi, he's the Kohen Gadol who really becomes Shmuel Hanavi's mentor, right? Shmuel was raised in the Mishkan. He's brought to the Mishkan at the age of three, and he's raised in the Mishkan. Really, Eli becomes his surrogate father. Eli has two sons, Chafni and Pinchas. Chafni and Pinchas, unfortunately, were, you know, were not doing the right thing. They're not, they're not, that's putting it mildly. They were engaged in, in a number of just egregious behaviors. As a result, HaKadosh Baruch Hu curses the family of Eli. And he says to the family of Eli, I swear, the sin of the... And the, the reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu curses the house of Eli is because he felt that Eli as a father should have intervened and stopped the egregious behaviors of his children. You see, I will say, there's a very interesting balance. On one hand, parents aren't responsible for, the, parents aren't responsible for who their children become. On the other hand, parents are responsible for who their children become, right? There, there, is this, there is this balance. There is this balance. So Eli is held responsible. Eli is held responsible for the behaviors of Chafni and Pinchas. So therefore, what was the Shavua? The Shavua, the punishment was that the members of the house of Eli would die young, would forever die young. Amar Rava, Rava says, so again, therefore, the, so, so you, what do you see over here? You see over here that a gzardin with a shvua, with an oath, is irrevocable. A gzardin by itself is revocable. So Amar Rava, so Rava says, It's true for the house of Eli, they cannot atone for themselves with a carbon. But Torah 
can save the members, the male members of the house of Eli. That if they learn Torah, if they learn Torah, that could help them avoid the decree. Abai Omar Abai says, It's true that the house of Eli cannot be atoned for with the carbon of a miskaper b'Torah or gemilos chasadim. But ultimately, again, both with Torah and chasad, they could avoid the negative decree. Now, I say, watch this. Rabbi, actually, it's changed to, it's changed to, uh, not Rabbi, Rabbi, sorry. Rabbi Abaye, and I both say, why do Rabbi and Abaye both comment on this? Get ready for this. Rabbi and Abaye were both descendants of the house of Eli. They were descendants of Eli, which means they had this gzera of dying young. And dying young, by the way, the Gemara discusses, was 18 years old. The members, the male members of the house of Eli did not live past 18 years old. Abaye and Rava, Abaye and Rava were members of the family of Eli. Get ready for this. So Rav, Rav, it's really Rava. Rava, da'asik batorah, chaya arban shnin. Rava, who was steeped in Torah, lived for 40 years, which was longer, normal than the longer, longer lifespan of the house of Eli. Abaye, da'asik batorah, b'milas chasodim, chaya shisin shnin. Abaye, who engaged in Torah and chesed, he lived for 60 years. So I just want to point out something absolutely amazing. So first of all, the reason how this fits into our sugya is Gemara suggesting that maybe the difference between a gzardin with a shvua, a gzardin without a shvua. But I just want to also highlight to you over here is, is the power of living a life of Torah and chesed. Living a life of Torah and chesed, constantly learning. When I say constantly, meaning whatever a person is able to do, right? Learning Torah, bikvios, each and every day, establishing as much time as I can for learning of Torah, engaging in chesed, but, but not just chesed by giving tzedakah, which is beautiful, but chesed beguf, right? Actually doing, doing acts of kindness for people. That combination is so powerful that even if chas v'shalom, there is a verdict, from a negative verdict, with a divine oath, you still have the ability to overcome it. Isn't that absolutely incredible? That is the power of Torah and Chesed combined as part of my daily life. Even if Chas V'Shalom there is, a Gzardin with a Shvua, I have the ability to overcome it. Incredible. Tan Rabbanon. Mishpacha Achas Haisa B'Yerushalayim. Shayume Seha Mesim B'nei Yerchashana. So also here we go. There was a family in Yerushalayim and the male members of the family never lived past the age of 18. Bovo, dear Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. First wide line. They came to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Amr lahem, shema mimishpachas eliatem. Dechsivbe, vechomar bispeischa, yomusu anoshim. So again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, maybe you're a descendant from the house of Eli. They didn't know their yichus. Maybe it's from the house of Eli. And as a result, that's why unfortunately this gzardin with the shvua is upon you. Luchu v'isku batorah. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai gave them an etzah. Steep yourself in Torah. Learn Torah. The family started learning Torah and the male members of the, of the family began to live. Right? They didn't die at 18. Pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty incredible story. Interesting enough, they used to call this family the Rabbi Yochanan family. Why the Rabbi Yochanan family has attributed to Rabbi Yochanan that Imamish saved the Mishbacha. Absolutely incredible. How do you know that the Gzardin of the Tzibor is never sealed? But it's not true. The Pasuk says, by Yemiah, we just saw this Pasuk before, that the sins are sealed. Rather, how do I know that the Gzardin of the Tzibor, even if it's sealed, could be torn up, could be changed. The Pasuk says, like Hashem, our God, who we could cry out to at any time. But yet the Pasuk says, call out to Hashem when He makes Himself available, which sounds like God is only available when? At certain times, not all the time. Same idea. The Gemara is reverting back to that previously established concept, which is no, the Yachid is limited to a time in which they could access God to overturn the Gzardin, right? But the Tzibor could always overturn the Gzardin. So the Gemara says, When does the Yachid have the ability to overturn the Din? Sorry, Sorry, so what's listen to this? The Pasuk over here is talking, the Gemara is talking about the episode in Shmuel Aleph, 
Just to give you the context, David HaMelech is on the run from Shaul, right? This is when Shaul is convinced that David is trying to seize the monarchy. David will not fight his father-in-law. He will not engage in a battle for the throne. He chooses to live life on the run. He comes to a guy, Novel. Novel is a very wealthy individual, Jew. He asks Novel for help. For help. Novel refuses help. He, I'm sorry. He refuses to give David HaMelech help. Not only that, he's very disdainful of David. Very disdainful. As a result of his disrespect of David, Cheshbaruch punishes him by taking his life. So the positive says, Ten days later, Cheshbaruch struck down Novel. So why ten days later? Why, why, why was Novel's punishment delayed for ten days? Because I was saying, when, when David's servants, when he had ten servants, ten, ten guys, they, they weren't servants. The truth is, David HaMelech, when he was on the run, really attracted the wrong crowd, right? There's a certain type of people who like to live on the periphery of society, right? This was like, like he attracted, like, it was like the alt-right, you know, that, that, like, these were the guys, right? These were the guys who were just looking for a fight, right? Who he, who he went ahead and, and, he, and he attracted, he didn't attract, he didn't attract, it's not because of David, it's because he needed people, he needed guys and only certain people who want to live on, who want to live on the periphery of society, so there were 10 people who approached Novel. Novel gave them 10 spoonfuls of whatever, of something. 10 spoonfuls of honey or something sweet. So in the schus of the 10 spoonfuls that he gave them, ultimately he was spared for 10 days. So the Gemara says, None of the 10 days were Sarah's Mitchuva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Novel 10 days to be able to do tshuva. Right? He said, Novel, you did something really bad. You've got 10 days to do tshuva. Novel did not take advantage of those 10 days. And unfortunately, again, his gzar din was sealed. So we'll say, the Gemara goes, right? We'll say, back to the Mishnah. Right? In the Mishnah, said in Rosh Hashanah, the entire world comes before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kibne Maro. What is, so we'll say, by the way, just to close out that sugya, how do we paskin? Sibor could always overturn their gzar din. And Yachid, Yachid, also, always overturn their gzardin. That's how the Rambam paskins halacha lamaisa. Now for the yachid, are there times that are more auspicious for tshuva? Absolutely. When is that time? Aserismi tshuva. The Yeshua Hashem behimatso. No question. But just always to understand the Rambam paskins that the power of tshuva is always accessible to all of us at all times. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it works a bit better. Sometimes the connection is a little bit stronger. But tshuva is always possible. I'm going back to Rabbi Meir. How is tshuva always possible? What, right? We can, when we say tshuva, tshuva is possible, that means we control our gzardin. We have input. We control our circumstances. What's the key to controlling your circumstances? We're going to borrow Rabbi Meir's term, tefillah shlema. But not simply tefillah shlema as being tefillah with kavana, but tefillah shlema, complete introspective judgment. When you're willing to be honest with yourself, when you're willing to really do tshuva, when you're willing to really evaluate, look at my life. I mean, don't look at my life. Look at your life, right? Go ahead, right? And really, I'm, I'm willing to really look at my life, judge myself, figure out what's wrong, fix it, own it, move myself forward. Tefillah shlema, palal shlema, Complete introspective judgment has the ability to alter the course of my life each and every day. So the Gemara goes right there. What's Kibnei Maran? What's Kibnei Maran? What's a great Gemara? My Kibnei Maran. Halcha Targimu Kibnei Amarna. So what's a Pashat Pshat? He's like sheep. Like sheep. And Rashi points out over here, Kibnei Amarna means that what? The imagery is you're counting sheep from Meister Behemoth. Well, sir, you've seen this. You have to give one-tenth of your flock. How do you, keep, how do you, how do you count sheep from Meister Behemoth? You put them in a pen. And what do you have in the pen? What do you have in the pen? One small opening. Why one small opening? So that the sheep can only go through one at a time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten gets the little, the little white red paint. So I will say the imagery is we go through the entrance way. Not the red paint. The imagery is we go through the entrance way one at a time. We come before HaKadosh Baruch Hu Rosh Hashanah. One at a time. There is no safety in numbers on Rosh Hashanah. At the end of the day, each of us has to face our God on our own for that moment of judgment. That's the first opinion. Shlag Yishamar, Kema'alos Beis Moron. Kema'alos Beis Moron means narrow steps. Rashi says over here, the Shabbat says that Kema'alos Beis Moron is like the steps of Har Meron. Har Meron, referring to the mountain of Meron. And there is Yisrael. In any event, the imagery is, Rashi says over here, it's a very steep mountain. The steps are very narrow. 
This actually, this, this, especially when we think about what happened in Meiron, the steps are very narrow and you can only go down the steps one at a time. One at a time. So Rashi says, "Kimalas beismar hadera katsar dein shaymi cholun leilech zeb bitzad zeh shaemek amuk mishnei tzidi hadera." So both say. So the image now, interestingly enough, it seems to be the same imagery, which is what, which is what, one at a time. But both I think there's an additional layer of 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 metaphorical meaning here as well, because these are steep steps, and what happens when you make the wrong move on steep steps? Steep steps. Chas Shalom, you could, could, could have a terrible, terrible ending, right? You could really, you could fall off, you could fall down, a variety of different things could happen. We'll say, this goes back to what we learned before. On Rosh Hashanah, remember again, we learned the Pasuk by Yishmael, that HaKadosh Baruch who judges us by Sher Husham. That so much of Rosh Hashanah, so much of the power of Rosh Hashanah, true Rosh Hashanah, is keeping it together for those two days. And not just those two days, for those ten days. Because how I behave and what I do at the beginning of the year has such a dramatic effect on the rest of the year. That I come before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like on these steep steps, which means the key to a successful Yamim Naraim is watch every step. Now you could tell that we should live that way the whole year. It's true, you should watch every single step, every single day. Most of us can't really live like that. That's a heightened level of, of, of consciousness. It would be great to live like that. But at least in Yamim Naraim, understand your Kema'alos Beis Maron. Watch every step. Because every step is impactful, every step is meaningful. Last opinion, Reish Lagash Amar, I'm sorry, Behuda Mershmuel, Kechayolos based David. Kimnei means like the soldiers of David Amalek's army. Rashi points out to you something so beautiful that ultimately, again, when, the, when David Amalek would, would have a military parade, right? The army was going out to war, he would parade out the soldiers one by one. Why? Because each soldier, each soldier was so strong. And each soldier was so valiant, right? And each soldier was so, yeah, was so, was so brave that he wanted to inspire confidence in the people. He didn't parade out the soldiers in groups one by one. So how do we come up for our, so say the imagery is the same, right? Sheep, stairs, soldiers, right? The imagery is all what? Is all what? Ultimately, again, one at a time, I will say, but what I'll point out is that each of them carry their own metaphorical meaning. Sheep, what's the chap with sheep? Sheep are humble, right? Sheep are humble. Right? So what's the idea when you come up for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Rosh Hashanah? Humility. Right? Steps. The steps are dangerous. Me- message, watch your step. Every step should be measured. In life in general, every step should be measured. Every action should be measured. I can't really pull that off during the whole year, but I can try to pull that off Rosh Hashanah and Aseris Yemei And lastly, like soldiers. We'll say, what do soldiers have? Right? What, what's, the, what's the most important thing that soldiers need? Confidence. You can't be a soldier if you're not confident. Don't go out to war if you're not confident. If you don't believe you could vanquish the enemy. And I will say, you know, it's interesting. It was, on the, it was an article on the front page of, uh, of, last week, uh, of, of yesterday's Wall Street Journal that, you know, there's this ongoing aggression between Taiwan and, and China. And they're saying that the Taiwanese uh, army is going to crumble in front of the Chinese. And you know what the article is about? It's fascinating. Not simply because, not because they don't have the technology. The U.S. gives them technology. Because the Taiwanese soldiers have no confidence. <laughs> they have no confidence. When I interviewed one of the guys, like my basic training was, I was raking leaves off an airfield or something like that. You know what? No confidence. I thought, wow. First of all, it's Hashkaka Kashbarku allowed me to see this last night before the Shir. Right? That literally, they don't have confidence. If you're a soldier and you don't have confidence, you're not a soldier. So as much as you have to come before HaKadosh Baruch you have to be humble like a sheep. And as much as you have to come before HaKadosh Baruch you have to watch your step. When you come before HaKadosh Baruch one by one on Rosh Hashanah, come like a soldier. Kechayolos Beis David. With confidence. With confidence. What's the confidence? My God loves me. My God loves me more than I could ever know. Kaddish Baruch who loves me and values me and appreciates me and sees the good in me and believes that I can accomplish something great. When you come for judgment, you come like a valiant soldier. I'm ready to engage in the battle of life and I'm confident that I can be successful. Humility, watch every step, confidence. Incredible, incredible. So the Gemara says... The Gemara says, And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is incredible. Even though Hashem judges us one by one, He sees us all at once. 
Right, Rosh Hashanah is this fascinating dialectic. There's an element of the Yochid, but there's also an element of the Tzibur. He sees us all at once. If you mean, if you say that it means Chashmaruch created us all, right? Chashmaruch created, created the entire world and gave us all one heart. Oh no, humanity certainly does not have one heart, right? Am Yisrael doesn't have one heart. What it means is like this, I'll say, that even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges us one by one on Rosh Hashanah, He sees us as a collective as well. The Marsha and the Ben Yoyad to point out, what does this mean? So what it means is as follows. I come up for HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a Yachid, as an individual. I'm judged individually. But what does it mean He also sees us as a collective? Because there's something amazing. Maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu realizes that as an individual, I don't possess the requisite merit for the bracha I need. In that moment, where does he see me? Not as an individual, but what? As part of the collective. So there's this incredible like seesaw, right? There's incredible back and forth. HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges me as an individual. But if I need to lean on the requisite, the, the merits of the collective, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu in like the next frame immediately sees me as part of the collective. I will say, that's how much our Ribbon Shalom loves us. You know, I often find that sometimes the baggage that we have, especially with Yamim Noraim, is because many times in our Chinuch, we get this idea of a Yamim Noraim, Yamim Noraim, with an angry God, right? Or with a vengeful God, or with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? You better get it together, because Kaddish Baruch Hu determines who's going to die and who's going to live and all this. And that's true. That is absolutely true. But we always have to remember that that judgment is being delivered by a Ribbono Olam who loves us more with a love that we can't even comprehend. With a love that, think about as much, think about the person you love most in this world. And as much as you love that person, you would do anything for that person. Baruch Hu loves me even more than that. That's how Baruch Hu loves us. An unfathomable amount of love. So it's true there's judgment, but it's by a love God who loves us very much. I will say, that brings to a close this sugya. Incredible. So we have to say, like, what a schos it was. I would urge you, I would urge you, chazra these gemaras. Right? I can't ask you to chazra every gemara. These gemaras we could chazra because these are the gemaras of life. The gemara goes back to Rebosa. We're not finished. Still a lot of great gemara ahead of us. A lot of great gemara. Right? For six, six months of the year, Beisden sends out, Beisden sends out shluchin, agents, to, around, to announce the arrival of the new month. Remember again, we're operating in a construct over here where what? Beisden declares the new month based on the testimony of witnesses. So what occurs? What occurs? So right, Beisden goes and declares the new month. But now remember, you have outlying communities who don't know about the arrival of the month. So there are six months of the year, the Gemara says, that Beisden sends out shluchim so that far-flung far communities should know that, Be- that Rosh Chodesh has been declared. Which months? So the Gemara says, Al Nislam Nea Pesach, they send them out for Nisan so that people show the right day of Pesach. Al Av Mipnea Tainis. Av, right? Tishabav. People show Tishabav. Also, remember again, we don't put out Shavuos. Why don't you put out Shavuos? Right? You don't need Shavuos, right? Why? Shavuos is always the 50th day after Pesach. So I don't need Shavuos, right? So on Rosh on Av, because of Tishabav. Al Elu Mipnea Rosh Hashanah. Elu because of Rosh Hashanah. Al Tishabav Mipnea Takana Samoados. They're both saying, now here's what's interesting. Even though you're going to say, well, if you're going out to Rosh Chodesh Elul, then people by definition will know. Ultimately, again, if you know when Rosh Hashanah is, then what? Then what? You know when everything else is. They would still go ahead and send out on Tishrei because of Takanas Hamoados. Ultimately, again, because there are so, there are so many Yamim Tovim during Tishrei, we want to make sure that everything is Kedasu Kedin. So also, we'll say, we're going to see that Elul, Elul, was always 29 days, except when it wasn't, right? In other words, that there is that slight possibility that Elul became a 30-day month. That was very improbable, but it, did, it, could, it could happen. So therefore, they would send out messengers again for Tishrei to make sure everyone knew when Yom Kippur and Sukkot were going to be. And when the Beis HaMikdosh was standing, again, they would send out shluchim for ERY Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni. Here we go. The Gemara asked something very interesting. 
Once you tell me that you're sending shluchim for Av because of Tisha B'av, which is a fast day, why not send shluchim out for Tammuz, Shivas of Tzemtit of Tammuz, and Teves for Asar of Teves? So the Gemara is Amad Beis, but say Amad Beis, the Amar Rav, Chana Bar Biz, the Amar Rav Shimon Chasida, Maidis, I'll tell you why. Now both say, the reason why the Gemara is asking is as follows, because remember, Tisha B'av is the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, right? Shivas of Tammuz is the breaching of the walls, and Asara B'teves is the beginning of the siege. So those are all Beis HaMikdash-related fast days. So if you're sending out Shluchim so that everyone knows when Tisha B'av is, why wouldn't you send out Shluchim during Tammuz for Shabbat Asara B'tammuz and Tebes for Asara B'tebes? I'll tell you why. What's the meaning of the Pasuk? Ka'am HaRashem Tzavakos, Tzom HaRavii, V'tzom HaChamishi, V'tzom HaShavii, V'tzom HaAsiri. So we'll say the Navi over here, the Navi in Zechariah makes reference to the fourth fast, the fifth fast, the seventh fast, the tenth fast. We'll discuss what fast days these are. Yeah, the base two Sasson the Simcha. They will become days of incredible joy and jubilation for Kalad Yisrael. So we'll say, how do I reconcile this pasuk? Kari le Kari lehutzom the Kari lehu Sasson the Simcha. So which one is it? Is it a fast day or is it a day of Sasson the Simcha? It can't be both. Which one is it? To which the I'll explain. When there is shalom, now we'll say, what does it mean when there's shalom? We'll say, look at shalom. Rashi says, she shalom. We'll say, listen to how the Jew defines shalom. You know what shalom is? You know what shalom is? There are no oppressive decrees. That's shalom. That's shalom. Life is good. We'll say, we, we don't realize, even though we are in the diaspora, we don't understand the times we live in. We don't appreciate the, the miracle, the miracle of the times we live in. Yes, we are in Gullus, and we can never forget that we are not where we are supposed to be, and we are, we are visitors in this land. We, we must never forget that, because the moment the Jew forgets that, terrible things happen. But yet, we don't understand the golden age of diaspora Jewry that we have. So the Gemara says, when there's Shalom, what's Shalom? No despotic government leveling decrees at us. When there's Shalom, Yilasasana Simcha. Ain shalom tzom. So we'll say this is fasting. First approach says, you only have to go ahead and fast on these days when there's no shalom. There's, there's terrible decrees. But when there's no decrees, when there's shalom, you don't have to fast on these days. They can be days of sasan and simcha. Papa says, no, no, no. That's what it means to say. Bizman shalom. When there's shalom, simcha. Then there are days of celebration. Yeish kezeres hamalchos. When there are decrees by the monarchy, meaning non-Jewish monarchy, Tzom in, I'm sorry, um, sorry, see, I'm sorry, Tzom, it's a fast day. Ein Gezeris Malchus, when there's no Gezeris Malchus, ve'en Shalom. But let's say, let's say you live in this in-between time, where on one hand, there's no Gezeris Malchus, right? There are no decrees, but there's also not Shalom. But let's say, so you remember what's happening over Israel, Papa has a higher level, a higher definition of Shalom, right? So when there's no true Shalom, but there's also no Gezeris Malchus, then what's the Allah, huh? If you want to fast, you can fast. If you don't want to fast, you don't have to fast. So therefore, we'll say, what's happening is fast, fasting. Rav Papa says, Rav Papa says, when there's real shalom, these days, these fast days turn into days of simcha. When ultimately, again, there's gzeris malchus, despotic decrees, so when there's no shalom, but no gzeros, ultimately, again, if you want to fast, you can fast. If you don't have to fast, you don't have to fast. So we'll say, so the idea is, according to Rav Papa, this is why they wouldn't send out messengers for the other fast days. Because essentially, the other fast days are what? Effectively what? Optional. Optional. Iachi, Tisha Nami. If that's the case, why don't we say the same idea by Tisha B'av? Right, and say by Tisha B'av also, if there's no Shalom, but there's no Gzeros, it should be optional. So, I'm Papa, shiny test, Ba'av, Hov, No, 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 Tisha B'av is in its own category, right? Why Tisha B'Av? Literally, again, because Tisha B'Av is a day of compounded tragedy. Because on the 10th, on the 9th of Av, the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the site of the Beis HaMikdash was plowed over, and the city of Betar was decimated. Remember again, Betar was the last stronghold of the Bar Kochva rebellion. Listen to this. Rabbi Shimon said, There are four things Rabbi Akiva darshan, but I don't agree with him with the drasha. What's the drasha? Right? Ultimately, again, 
the fourth fast. So what we're going to see, what do you mean, why, why, is the ninth of Tammuz. Is the ninth of Tammuz. What happened the ninth of Tammuz? Shebo Hufka year. The ninth of Tammuz is when the walls of Yerushalayim were breached. Well, so you're thinking, ninth of Tammuz? Isn't that what? The seventeenth of Tammuz? No. By the first base Hamikdash, it was the ninth of Tammuz. The seventeenth of Tammuz is by Yisheni. Ninth of Tammuz is by Yisrishon. Shene Amar Berevi B'Tishel Achodesh Vayachaz Akara Ba'ir V'Lo Hayo Lahem Lacham La'Ama Aretz V'Tibaka Ha'ir V'Amai Kari Lo Revi Why do you call it the fourth fast? So the Gemara says Revi'i L'Chadashim Ultimately, again, it is the Revi'i for months. So we'll say, remember again, if you're counting from Nisan, Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz. So if you're counting from, counting from Nisan, ultimately Tammuz is the fourth one. We'll stop over here. We'll, we'll pick up right here. We're going to start again tomorrow morning. Tomorrow, I think, is our... Is our so yeah, tomorrow we're going to do it. Tomorrow, Mirat Hashem will be our catch-up day. It's shorter daf tomorrow, Mirat Hashem. And I will we'll get caught up here. Shikayach. Incredible, incredible journey today. Journey continues tomorrow. Shikayach.